It's time now for Super Psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell, and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com and now also after the program on Apple Podcasts. And today is Sunday, February 23rd, 2020, and we are back live in beautiful Austin, Texas, where the weather can't decide if it's winter or spring. But I guess spring is on its way for good very soon. Um, That's Texas. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us making the show run smoothly as usual. And we have another great program in store for you this evening. In a little while after the break, we'll be joined by Dr. Howard Kovitz, psychologist and psychoanalyst, author, therapist, and active citizen. And for many years, Dr. Kovitz was the director and on the training faculty of the Psychoanalytic Studies Institute in Philadelphia. He was a member of the board of the National Association for the Advancement of Psychoanalysis and has taught mathematics, psychology, statistics, and post-professional seminars. And with his book nominated for the Grandiva Psychoanalytic Book of the Year, Dr. Kovitz has also contributed his writings to books and blogs related to his passion of exercising his civic duty of staying aware and active in our country's political process. And Dr. Kovitz joins us to discuss health. health. What is it? How does each of our answers to that question relate to our goals for psychotherapy? Ethics, what has that got to do with it? And how does staying socially aware and involved benefit our mental health? So we're going to have a very interesting discussion with Dr. Kovitz if we can get to all of those questions. And then later in the program, our producer, Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, will be filling us in some more about what's happening during the South by Southwest Music Festival here in Austin, Texas in March. Um, And in particular, he'll talk about the shows that he's producing at the backstage on South First Street during the festival. And along the way, I'll discuss um, a little bit more. We started it last week about self-love and how that is self-care and how that helps us to spread love into the world. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guest, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air. And my email address is Mara. that's D-R-M-A-R-A, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website after the program and the link to the podcast along with any website links or any other important information from the program 
will be posted later tonight. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show by going directly to blogtalkradio.com. That's B-L-O-G talkradio.com slash your golden years. And you can also hear the podcast on Apple Podcasts immediately after the program. If you go to my website and click on the link to this program at the bottom, there is a link to the Apple Podcast, so you can listen there if that's easier if you have an Apple device. And for information from previous programs, to listen to all of the previous programs we have done since we've been with Blog Talk Radio into the begin since the beginning of 2014, to read my blogs, to find out about my book, watch videos of interviews that I've done with guests in the studio, go to my website, drmaracarpel.com. C-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And you can also hear all of the previous podcasts um, for the last six years by going to Blog Talk Radio, B-L-O-G, Your Golden Years, or find me on Apple Podcasts. And for information about future programs, to read my blogs as soon as they launch, And to find out about upcoming events, like what's happening at South by Southwest Music Festival, you can follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from New York City practicing here in Austin, Texas. And I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and caregivers and for the past few years have also been evaluating veterans for PTSD. And if you want to contact me, you can send me an email to Dr. Mara, D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com, or go through my website and click on Contact. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by Dr. Ronald Devere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. Devere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512-261-7909, or send him an email to rdevere, that's R-D-E-V-E-R-E, at thin.rr.com. And his book is also available on Amazon. And this evening's program is also sponsored by Storyhouse. Storyhouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have Storyhouse over to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. Storyhouse, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512-296-8752. Okay, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to play a couple of our sponsors' commercials, but don't go anywhere. It's going to be very brief, and when we come back, we'll be joined right here on the phone by Dr. Howard Kovitz, psychologist and psychoanalyst, author, therapist, and active citizen, and he'll be talking about mental health. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell 
We'll be back after words from our sponsors. Worry about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years. Specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia, Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the facts. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmarakarpell.com. And now joining me on the phone, we have Dr. Howard Kovitz, psychologist, psychoanalyst, author, therapist, and citizen. <laughs> Welcome, Dr. Kovitz. Welcome, Howard. Thank you for having me. For joining us, and I just want to just a reminder: there's a slight delay when we talk like this, so it's just good to keep that in mind. So, so how are things back on the East Coast? Cold. I have a cold. <laughs> I have a cold, but I'm feeling healthy. Oh no! You're feeling nothing. Feeling healthy. So you're feeling healthy. Oh, yeah. good. Okay, well, then the cold will go away soon, I hope. Maybe we can talk about that distinction between symptoms and health. Yeah, that's a good idea. So before we get to that, though, why don't we start with your background? Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Mm. My background. How far back shall I go, Dr. Carpell? Well, just, you know, the highlights of your professional career. How's that? Okay. So I'm uh, a late middle-aged man. I, I studied theology and then mathematics and worked as a mathematician for a bit and then uh, decided I wanted to work with people. So I retrained in psychology and psychoanalysis, and now I'm uh, a grandfather and a father and and a therapist thinking about how long I want to practice. Mm -hmm. How long have you been practicing? Uh, 40-some-odd years. Wow. (laughs) seems like a long time. It does. Let me tell you how I got interested in the question of health. Because Mm -hmm. uh, when I was training as a psychoanalyst, health was not discussed very much. It was not talked about. Right. Pathology was talked about. And then about 40 years ago, a person came to see me who had been diagnosed as uh, 
very sick. His paranoid schizophrenic. Uh, she had delusions of her own powers and feared that others would overpower her with their destructive energies. Uh, but she taught me something very powerful. Uh, in our early meetings, she complained that all her previous therapists told her what was wrong with her and gave her diagnoses and, in her words, criticized her life. A minister, she said, focused on the good life and what that might be about. And she looked Mm -hmm. at me and she said, which type of healer are you? (laughs) And it was a very powerful thing to hear someone say. She went on and led a life. um, She retired some years ago, but a, a life of work. And I would say a lot of it uh, involved health. So I began thinking over the years of what constituted health. Mm -hmm. That's how it began. Yeah. So, and you started off by talking about, you know, that there's a difference between symptoms and health. So Mm -hmm. can can you explain that? Yeah. Uh, So there are clearly symptoms that intrude on life. Right. But there is a core to living that I I think is more fundamental and can exist whether or not there are these symptoms or not. And I thought about some of them. Maybe you'd like me to speak of some of them? Yeah, that would be that would be great. It'd be really interesting. Uh, uh, I think of uh, uh, of the first two as very important. Um, I think of them as the first and second commandment. And like in the Bible, the first commandment is very long, uh, but it essentially says the following: It says that you have to accept your brothers and sisters as subjects in their own right. That is, you have to know that these other people feel and think and believe and have relationships just as you do, even if the feelings, thoughts, beliefs, and relationships are different than yours. Mm. And that seems to me one of the most fundamental parts of health is that capacity to empathize with others, if you would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's a I mean, flip that... side to that okay. as well. Mm-hmm. And that is that uh, does not apply to when your neighbor is angry or hateful or miserable. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, there is the trick I think of it as the first commandment of being able to see others as subjects in their own right. But then there's a second one that says that other people's angry, hateful, miserable feelings can't overwhelm you. If you allow them to overwhelm you, you've lost. 
Mm-hmm. So those two for me are the beginning. Um, and they apply around the board. I'm married. I have three children. I have six grandchildren. It applies to them all. Somehow mm-hmm. I have to see them as people in their own right. I mean, we know that right. the, uh, now here in our country, we're having difficulties doing that with people who think differently than us. Mm-hmm. Even if indeed they're not doing anything that is harmful to us particularly, we still have right. problems accepting that they've thought through their own beliefs carefully, that we sometimes call them names. In any case, that doesn't do any good. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. fairly clearly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The third and fourth are are about action. And let me see if I can put it into words. Uh, clearly, it's important for us to be able to act when there is a need for us to do so and we have the capacity to affect the situation. Right. But simultaneously, there's a need to withhold action when I realize that I really can't do anything about the situation. I have no vote. So, for instance, as a grandfather of kids in college, I really don't have any vote about what they do. Right. And if and if they say they're about to do something that strikes me as a little oddballish, a little quirky, I'm not sure there's anything for me to do about it. And certainly, if I allow myself to become upset about that, with six grandchildren, I think I'd be upset a goodly amount of the time. <laughs> right. Does that Good make point. sense to you? That makes a lot of sense, yes. Okay, so those so the first four. Shall I go mm-hmm. on? Sure. Uh, so the fifth actually is my favorite. Uh, I I hope to be reincarnated someday as a dog. Uh, <laughs> okay. So the fifth is uh, uh, how can I phrase this? Be thee like a dog. Uh, happy to greet and play. And sad mm-hmm. to say goodbye. Mm. I mean, there is a uh, a move, and you'll hear it in TV commercials to equate sadness with depression. Right. Uh, sadness is a very powerful feeling that allows us to draw near to others. Uh-huh. Depression is a feeling that pushes other people away. Mm. Hmm. That's a great distinction. And unfortunately, it's not made in a lot of commercials for antidepressants. Uh, So a lot of people are told that if they're sad or if they're mourning, uh, that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to the contrary, I think sadness is a very important emotion. uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go to a funeral... Uh, everyone's trying to take away your sadness. Either it's a good thing the person died quickly or it's a good thing the person hung along. But nobody's just saying it's just tremendously sad that this person has died. 
that this person right. who meant so much to us has died. We have an allergy to sadness. Mm-hmm. Instead, mm-hmm. we either act or we withdraw. That is, we either get angry or we get depressed. And neither of those right. work out. Right. In fact, uh, I've had a couple of people on this program talking about grief, mention what you just said and how destructive it is um, to try to take away somebody's sadness when they're in grief. I I, I think it really is an act of destructiveness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed, the last time I was in any kind of altercation, I don't get into many, was uh, years ago when a secretary of mine lost her uh, her third and by far youngest child. He was 10. He died of leukemia. And mm-hmm. our other kids were in their late 20s. And she was bereft, uh, as I can only imagine she would be. I've never lost a child. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after the... Uh, after the funeral service was over, uh, the priest came over to me and said, you're Dottie's boss. I said, yeah. And he said, what did you think of what I said? Now, what he had said to her is, Dottie, don't cry because David has gone to be with his eternal father in heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, I thought it was very warm of you to say that. And he said, but did you agree with me? And I said, well, I had told her that I thought she might be crying for at least two years. And Uh he said, he said, you disagree with me? (laughs) In any case, it didn't end well. He got angry and (laughs) actually violent. But uh, 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 no, I believe that the ability to go with the sadness to let it roll over you like a wave is very important part of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of yes, the other things that we don't see going on uh, that are required of health and in a split country such as ours, it's very difficult because uh, I mean everything is black and white. Mm-hmm. There are two sides, and 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 they aren't kind to each other, and they don't uh, give good thoughts about each other. They have names for each other. Not right. good. Uh, so the sixth one is is to kind of look out for the gray. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. And I could go on, but maybe you have some questions. I have. Yeah. No. I. Uh, all of those are really important. I believe they're important commandments. <laughs> um, you know, I, I often talk about looking for shades of gray because, you know, most arguments come about because we're we're stuck in a black and black or white um, way of viewing things, and we might find that we actually agree with each other if we're willing to step into the shades of gray. Um, yes, we might we, actually we, agree about a great deal, at least, even if we don't agree about everything. Right, right. So, so what happens when there is a split in the in in a country is both sides tend to take on some of the same characteristics. 
which includes mm-hmm. this ability to split between black and white and a great deal of anger. Mm-hmm. They actually mm-hmm. look more like each other than they look differently quite often. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. So with so, that, yes. Mm-hmm. No, go on. So with that, uh, there's a need for the healthy person to be skeptical of what it is they believe. Mm-hmm. I enjoy reading I wrote a book in 98 and appeared again in 2016. And I read it, and I very much like the author. I do. I enjoy reading it. It was me 25 years ago, actually, when I wrote it. Okay. And, and, <laughs> I mean, but do I believe it's gospel? I hope not. Mm-hmm. I hope I believe I put down some interesting ideas that other people can work on as we all work together moving towards furthering our understanding. Right. But be skeptical of your own thinking. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And imagine that there are multiple not unreasonable ways of seeing the world that may disagree with each other, but that both can be, to use a double negative, not unreasonable. Huh? Right. And simply yeah, because in, the child disagrees with you doesn't mean you uh, have to go to war. Right. Actually, one yeah, of my fondest think, memories of having an adolescent was once 36 years ago when one of my adolescent kids came home from school and I said, uh, uh, how was school? And he looked at me as he ran upstairs and said, don't give me any of that bleeping psychoanalytic bleep. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, occupational hazard. (laughs) And that's what I had asked. I asked him how school was or how his day was. (laughs) And one can, as a parent, dig in one's heels and say things like, that's wrong for you to say that, to talk to me like that, or not under my roof, or all the other things (laughs) that parents say. Or one can laugh like the laughing Buddha, you know, and just Uh (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's okay, now he has an 18-year-old son. (laughs) Right, now he knows. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. I'm sure as a psychoanalyst, everything that came out of your mouth was seen from that perspective. Like, are you trying to analyze me? <laughs> perhaps when you're 16 year old, uh, uh, perhaps when you're 16 years old, that's the way your parents look, because if they're uh, always judging, <laughs> but the parents don't have to join. And in mm-hmm. political discussions, I mean, we don't have to fight fire with fire all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, when you talked about not believing everything that you say, I think that, you know, I think that's important also to not believe, not to have a guru and believe everything that they say either. Right. I think right. people tend to latch on to one person and believe everything. Don't question it. 
as as much as they then latch on to their own beliefs as the absolute truth, and they're not willing to bend. Yeah, I grew up in the home of a religious leader, my grandfather, and his followers thought that he was right there next to God while he was Mm -hmm. alive. I mean, not after he was dead, but while he was alive. Right. And I used to see him in the middle of the night hobbling off to the bathroom in his long johns without his false teeth. Uh-huh. I knew he wasn't God. No. <laughs> I, I, I somehow, even as a youngster, fundamentally knew that God didn't have false teeth and didn't walk <laughs> around without them. <laughs> yes, I think mm-hmm. it's important not to idealize anyone. And yeah. uh, well, Although... Some of that happens in love, um, mm-hmm. and and I think love is is absolutely essentially important in the healthy life. And what happens is you meet somebody, and they have certain characteristics that you envy, but you can never possess because they're different mm-hmm. people. Uh, I wrote right. a, a paper years ago on the envy I have for my wife. My wife is a different person than I am. She has different skills. And we can, I mean, we can envy in a beneficent way, in a kind way. We can envy and love those things that our beloved has. And then we can share in them. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, but somehow being open to that, uh, has to be part of the healthy life. I think, unfortunately, for lots of people who are suffering from severe mental illnesses, for periods of time, that's not possible. And they suffer greatly because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find someone who will live with uh, with someone else who has a severe mental illness. Right. And that's a tragedy. Mhm mhm yeah and i and I think you were talking before about you know somebody who has delusions of their own power um, then they don't and they don't have that ability to to have that love for someone else because they believe they have everything that they're all powerful right yeah uh, well, that particular person believed she was all powerful, but at the same time could believe that other people could destroy her mm. and and that's part of the way the mind works. If the mind has right. the image of one person having power over another person, they have the flip of that image too, or at mm-hmm. least psychoanalytic thinkers believe so that it is if I dominate someone else, they dominate me. Right. And the war begins. Um, right. Right. Certainly doesn't lead to a healthy relationship. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't think it does. And another thing that I think is uh, uh, of great importance, which I usually think of as the Eighth Commandment, is to be able to respect what has come before uh, so to accept conventions, not to be at war with conventions until you have a reason to do otherwise. 
you know, in the law we have the notion of stare decisis, uh, of of the notion of precedent. Uh, mm-hmm. Of we look there first. Uh, right. I think oftentimes people have ideas; they have bright ideas, and it takes over everything else, and they can't imagine that there have been. Um, you know, thousands of years of deep thinkers who've thought carefully about how things go. So somehow there needs to be a starry decisis, a sense of accepting precedent in the soul as well. Mm. And I think besides besides speaking truth, and that covers my Ten Commandments for leading a reasonably decent life. That's worked mm-hmm. well for me. For over seventy years. Uh huh. Oh. Oh. Those are great commandments. So, you know, we've touched a little bit about the political system. I know that you write some on it. We, you know, we don't have to talk about partisan politics, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, obviously, if you are interested in leading a healthy life and you still remain aware and somewhat active in what's going on in the world and your civic duty and writing about it. How do you think, you know, how, how do you think that being involved and being socially aware and involved is good for our mental health? Uh, Well, I think the opposite uh, (laughs) would involve, uh, looking out at the world and saying, I don't care what happens to other people. Right. I don't care what okay. happens to the polity. Um, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care what happens overseas. I don't care what happens locally in uh, the ghetto. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And, right. uh, and again, uh, the way the human psyche seems to work if I don't care about them, in my mind, they don't care about me. Mm-hmm. And we all end up in a big mess. Oh. Right, right. Uh, I think so the only it really hope... really goes to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only hope for mankind is, I think, in recognizing, and I, I'm here sci- Freud, actually, in a correspondence he had in, I think, 1933 with Albert Einstein, who wrote to him, asking him if we could put an end to war. And he said, chances are not, but there are two things that work against that. And one is the recognition of similarity, is that first commandment. Mm-hmm. I I recognize that you have the same relationship, undoubtedly, to those people close to you that I have to mine. My children are special because they're my children. I consider Mm -hmm. them special. And I assume that if you have children, you consider the same. And and that recognition of similarity, so so he said recognition of similarity and... uh, and the golden rule, the uh, the rule that is quoted in uh, Leviticus, uh, that's cited in, in Leviticus 19 and in Matthew 5 and 
in the writings of Hillel the Elder, uh, the golden rule about treating other people as you would want them to treat you. Right. Uh, and, and and those two things, more or less, which in his language were identification and love, uh, those two things uh, can protect us somewhat against that kind of hatred. Right, right. What happens, so, though, I, I mean, what happens in a situation like we're in now when there's been a dramatic shift in the way the country functions is everybody either feels they have to accept that or totally reject it. It's so out of the norm uh, that either people say this is wonderful and new or they say this is terrible and dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that's the situation we're in, uh, where we have no gray. We have a lot of, of hate and very little love for those who are different than us. Right. Um, which leaves us so, in a pickle, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, you know, for our terms of our health, <laughs> you know, we don't want to be in that pickle. But also for our mental health, I think it what you're saying is is that we really need to have compassion for other people who may be quite different from us and come from different places and practice different religions, look different um, for our own mental health. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or we get caught up in this in this splitting into the black and white. We get caught up into having no empathy for anyone else. And we get caught up Actually, if we're near someone who's angry, actually taking on that anger. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we're already shooting at each other in one way or another, shooting words at each other that are hostile. And there's no possibility then of dialogue. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Sad. So, so I, I have a question about that, though. Before we I have lots run of out of time, about so. that. <laughs> um, you know, we could get really, really involved, and in, you know, I find myself sometimes getting really soaked up into what's going on and really wanting to be active, but and then feel really worn out and, um, you know, compassion fatigue, you could call it, or just like, you know, tired of people saying angry things. Mm-hmm. How do we how do how do we find that balance for ourselves where we're involved and we're compassionate and we're you know we're not turning a blind eye but at the same time we're taking care of ourselves? Yeah, well, I'll tell how, you another story. We... Yeah, a, a very okay. brief story. Uh, years ago, sitting on the beach, on the Atlantic beach with my family, and it was one of those days where the waves were just much too big to go in, much too big. And there was one woman there who absolutely wouldn't accept that. And she kept going in and fighting the waves and kept getting knocked on her butt. Uh-huh. And I guess the lesson I took away from that was that these feelings that are there have to be accepted. Mm-hmm. 
so for instance, I am very sad that the Republic is struggling right now. I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the a son of an immigrant. Uh, uh, my mother arrived here in 1920, and, and this country gave us a home, and they gave us protection, and they gave us citizenship eventually. They gave my mother citizenship. Uh, it means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So can I deal with the sadness, or do I have to turn that in to the one of of, of the two kind of horsemen of the apocalypse that are there, either anger or withdrawal. If I mm-hmm. withdraw, I sit alone in my office and say nothing and watch Rome burn. Right. If I get angry, I I pick up arms, verbal or otherwise, and go to war. And neither of mm-hmm. those work. Neither of those mm-hmm. work. Had that lady... Had that lady dived under the waves and let the waves go over her, she would have been able to swim out. Mm-hmm. But she was fighting the wave, which uh, doesn't work. Right. So when Very you're sad, when you're sad, yeah, you have to accept that sadness or you're going to choose the only two ways of getting, well, there are three ways of getting out of it. I mean, some people choose medication, I guess, but uh, uh-huh. I mean, neither withdrawal nor nor anger, because both of those do the same thing. They push everyone else away, and they'll mm-hmm. not only push away those who disagree with you. Eventually, uh, as you see in various movements, it also pushes away people who are very much like you in their thinking. So you learn how mm-hmm. to agree disagreeably, <laughs> which is not a good thing. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so, so Howard, yes. if, if listeners are interested in, in reading uh, some of the things that you've written or any other things that you want to let them know about, how can they do that? I don't know. I, I don't have a website. <laughs> I told you I'm well they over just... 70, and uh, I don't have a, a website, so a lot of my things are online. Uh, uh-huh. I know people Google me and find a lot of papers that I've written and and the book, uh, and I'm I was involved in a book about our president as well, um, mm-hmm. and that's available. Um, uh, the 1998-2016 book is called Oedipal Paradigms in Collision and is available. Or they can write to me. And that's fine okay. as well. I'm interested in communicating with a broad range of people. Okay. How can they write to you? Uh, you have my email address. Yes. So I'll post that on my on my Fine website post. Okay, I'll do that. I'll post your email. So that'll be on the website post later tonight about this program. So 
Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I, 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 you know, would love to have you back sometime because I think that there's so much more to talk about. Be happy to. If okay. we don't talk to each other, we're in, in deep something or other. You're right. We You're are. right. Communication is the key. Nicole, can thank you for inviting me. Yeah, yeah, and and you have a wonderful night, and you too. get over your cold soon. I'm good. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. I'm just sneezing a care. lot. I didn't sneeze this whole half hour. I feel blessed. Oh. <laughs> All the best. It's a good sign. All right, you too. Have a good night. Uh, uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Um, We have more to come, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, um, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And um, I really enjoyed that discussion, and, it, you know, it got me thinking about how you know, how important having compassion is for our own um, happiness and joy and ability to live a passionate life, that when we shut ourselves off from other people or we don't care, we tell ourselves that we don't care because I think our true self actually really does care. We're all connected. So it's, it's not possible for us deep down to not care. But I think that we... We learn not to care because we think it'll bring us more pain if we do. But the opposite is true, that not caring brings more pain. So um, I'm, I'm going to talk more about having compassion next week and how important that is for living a passionate life. And this evening I wanted to talk about having compassion for ourselves, but also how that translates into bringing more light into the world and being able to be more compassionate with other people. I think that that really, how we're saying, it goes both ways, that if we um, shut ourselves off from other people, we also become kind of shut off from ourselves and vice versa. So, But before I go on with that, let me just give you some news. I've written um, three new blogs. Um, Two of them are on my website, and the third one will be posted tonight on my website. They're all on my Facebook page. (coughs) So if you go to Dr. Mara Carpell, your golden years, you'll find all of my recent blogs. (coughs) Excuse me. And um, as I mentioned earlier, we're now on Apple Podcasts, so um, that is also on my website link about the show, the link to hear the podcast through Apple. Um, I know some people find it easier 
if they have an Apple device, an iPhone or an iPad to listen on on Apple Podcasts. Um, we're still on blogtalkradio.com slash your golden year. So if you don't have an Apple device, you can still listen the way you've been listening all along. And um, <clears throat> you can just go to my website and the podcast will be um, will be there. You can It's embedded in the website post about this program. And I'm going to let Art tell you the news about South by Southwest. So now let me talk about um, self-love and self-compassion. So, <clears throat> you know, I often talk about um, the the pillars of living a passionate life and how they're essential, the um, having a dream, allowing ourselves to dream, um, having gratitude, um, showing compassion for other people, um, generosity, and taking action towards our dreams are all really important um, to sort of interact with each other and with the foundation, that we can't um, stay on this path without having the foundation of self-care, whether it's diet, exercise, sleep, and also having compassion for ourselves and forgiveness, relationships. All of that is really important to keep up a solid, you know, a foundation for our journey on this path um, because, you know, the journey of life, whether you are following your passion or not, is not always easy. And so we need to keep up this, a very solid foundation that can sustain us when we go through those rougher parts of the journey. And especially if you decide that you really do want to follow your passion, that it's not an easy path. It's, a joyful path um, most of the time, but it's not easy. And so having the foundation to to keep us upright is really important, or at least to help us bounce back when we have, you know, taken a fall for whatever has happened in our life. And so, so one of the key ingredients is having compassion for ourselves, that we really are taking care of ourselves. And um, it's it's interesting because right before the program, I was looking through a, a book that I recently purchased called Radically Happy um, by Daniel Goleman. Uh, no, that's he wrote the forward by Eric Solomon and Pachak Rinpoche. They're, they're both Buddhists. And so it's a Buddhist um way of finding happiness, which is mostly through meditation, and they give a lot of meditation advice. But one of the um, things, I just opened the book, and it opened to gratitude, and that having gratitude is a way of showing compassion for ourselves, and it brings about being happy, being radically happy, as they said. And... um you know, I've talked about the having a compassion journal, I mean, a gratitude journal, which, you know, is, is an idea that Oprah talked about quite a bit on her show. And, um, and they mentioned the gratitude journal. But one of the things that they said was that if you don't have time to meditate on gratitude or to write a journal, to just simply make it a practice of 
relaxing the comparison with other people, which makes us go down a negative path where we feel really we're constantly beating ourselves up because we can't compare with other people and saying to ourselves, I'm happy with who I am, what I have, and that's it. And that's a really important part of it. That's one of the pillars, but it's also part of self-compassion. So you see how it, the, the pillars and the bricks and the foundation sort of interact with each other. Um, when we have gratitude, then we know that we are already enough and we have already, we already have enough. So we are already enough as part of the self-compassion. And when we come from that place, then when we are on this journey of following our passion, we're doing it from inspiration, not from desperation. We're not looking for something better to make us feel better because that would be like taking a drug. And, you know, when you take drugs to feel better, you reach a plateau where they stop making you feel better and you need to take more drugs. So it's an endless cycle. Um, And it's the same way if you're following your passion or your dreams to make you feel better, that you always, once you get there, once you achieve your goal, if you do achieve your goal, you are not satisfied and you need to keep going and finding more and more and more. If you're coming from a place of inspiration, whether or not you actually achieve your goal, it doesn't matter because you've had fun, you've had joy from following your passion either way. And if you do achieve your goal, yes, there will be new goals because that's how we humans are. But we're not doing them. We're not following those because we're not satisfied with where we've come. We just are inspired to do more. That that was fun. Now, I maybe I can create even more. Um, and that's a that's a positive place to be. That rather than feeling, oh no, this wasn't really what I expected, and now I need something else to make me feel better. So. Gratitude is really powerful, and it's a powerful way of having compassion for ourselves. We know that we're enough. So when we have compassion for ourselves, we stop comparing ourselves with other people. We stop putting ourselves down, and we stop putting everybody's needs ahead of our own, that it's important to take care of other people in our lives. Um, Dr. Kovitz was just talking about how fulfilling it is to have love in your life and to have people that you really care about having um, whether it's you know a partner children and grandchildren or just people in your family friends that you really care about and you want to help them you want to do things for them and that's a really positive um, it's really that's one of the foundational bricks is relationships but we also need to have relationship with ourselves in order to have more healthy relationships. So not putting everybody ahead of ourselves, we need to make our own physical health, 
and our emotional health and our passion a priority. Um, so I talked about um, a couple of weeks ago about how I was coming to the point where I had I had found that I was hitting a point of compassion fatigue. I felt kind of like I was burning out. I wrote a blog, one of my blogs is about this. And so I came across Cheryl Richardson's book called uh, Radical Self-Care. And she talked about how it's, you know, if you don't take care of yourself, you run out of steam and the ability to help other people that you don't have the energy and the love and and the compassion for other people if you are completely fatigued and feeling used up. And a lot of caregivers run into this, as well as people who professionally care for other people by um, doing, you know, being a mental health professional or a nurse or a doctor or a speaker who, you know, like, like she does coaching and, and motivational speaking, that if we're not taking care of ourselves, we don't have much to give other people. We have to fill up our own cup in order to have enough to give to other people. So um, I started following some of the radical self-care suggestions that she spoke about and um, you know some of them I had already been doing I was eating healthy I was exercising um, I was getting enough sleep those were all important I was already doing that but I wasn't um, setting limits which is really important so setting limits on other people where um we don't always say yes. Sometimes we say no. If, if if this is something, if people are asking of us all the time and they're taking away from our ability to take care of ourselves and do the things for ourselves to fill ourselves up and sustain us, then at times we need to say no. Um, if we don't, then we're going to start to resent other people. So being able to say no um, or if somebody calls, we're in the middle of, you know, working on something that we really want to get done, either to let the phone call go to voicemail and call them back later when we take a break, or let them know, hey, I don't have much time to speak right now. Um, letting them know right off the bat that we're setting limits on the time so that we can have time to do all those things that we really want to do. Um, and the other part of setting limits is setting limits on ourselves. So not going down those rabbit holes, as a friend of mine calls them, where we're getting into arguments with people. As as Dr. Kovitz was talking about, you know, we can, we end up getting into arguments, throwing negative comments at people on social media, arguing with people that, um, may see things from a different perspective, and it doesn't lead anywhere positive. It leads us to feel more angry and drained and and not the joyful person that we want to be as we travel down this path of passion. So stopping ourselves when we notice that we're starting to do that. 
um, going down rabbit holes of just things that suck up our time. Maybe you have an addiction to video games. Maybe you have an addiction to social media. Maybe you have an addiction to binge watching on Netflix. Um, If you really want to take care of yourself and you want to do things that make you feel joyful, that build relationships with other people, that bring out your creativity, that help you to follow the dream that you want to achieve, that help you follow your passion, those things are not going to get done if you're spending hours at a time on your computer or on your video game or or in front of your television set. So self-care involves having limits for ourselves, setting limits on ourselves and, and letting go of those things that are really not very good for us. They're addictions. They're like drugs. Um, Letting go of, of feeling obligated to do things that no longer serve anyone and definitely don't no longer serve us as well. So maybe we're continuing to do things that, we, that were helpful in the past that people um, ex- wanted, you know, asked us to do. And now at this point, they expect us to do it all the time. And we're using all of our time doing this thing that really isn't that helpful and it takes up our time. So again, that might be speaking to someone on the phone for hours at a time who really is lonely. Um, I'm not saying to cut them off, but maybe spending hours at a time every day on the phone is not really that beneficial. And, um, Maybe there are other things we can do to help that person rather than using all that time on the phone away from doing positive things. So, you know, these are some of the ways of showing ourselves that we really care about ourselves and treating ourselves like we're worthy, being happy and joyful and living a passionate, joyful life, Um, even if we don't believe it. If we start treating ourselves like we are already feeling that way, that we are already believing that we're worthy, even if we don't believe it, then we will start to feel that way about ourselves. So eating healthier food, exercising regularly, doing all those things to take care of ourselves is treating ourselves like we are worthy of that. And also surrounding ourselves with positive relationships. teaching ourselves um, what it's like to be treated well by another person. By being around people who treat us well will teach us how to be good to ourselves. So if you're around positive people who love themselves, they're more likely to treat you with love and respect. So I'm not talking about narcissism. I'm not talking about somebody who thinks that they are better than other people I'm talking about somebody who truly loves themselves and somebody who truly loves themselves knows that we are all equal and they don't need to be above you. They don't need to dominate you. And so they treat you as someone worthy of love and respect. And when you're treated that way, you learn 
to feel that way about yourself and treat and you start treating other people that way as well. We learn by observation. So when we're treated with love and respect, we learn that we are worthy of love and respect and we also learn that other people are worthy of our love and respect. And you know, I think it's important to take breaks throughout the day to do something that you just love to do um, or just to relax or get out in nature, um, just spend some time meditating um, to calm your mind or listen to some music that you love. Take a break from whatever you're doing throughout the day. So if you're at work, if you can spend just a couple of minutes, if you don't have much time, just spend a couple of minutes Think, you know, close your eyes and think of something, a beautiful scene. If you have more time, then get outside and go for a walk. And even if you're working on something that you really love, it's important to take breaks because after a while, um, if you don't take a break, that love for what you're doing will diminish because you'll get worn out. So we all need to refresh our brain. Um, and do something different and then come back to it in a refreshed state of mind, whatever it is that you're doing. And when you start to have those negative thoughts about yourself, which human beings are really good at doing, we need to just notice it and stop it and say, hey, there's no, there's no reason to talk to myself that way. Um, you know, I talked about um, using the technique of seeing yourself in another chair and talking to yourself like your BFF, like your best friend forever. And what would you say to your best friend if your best friend was saying these horrible things about themselves? Um, and when we do that, when we take better care of ourselves, then we're feeling more loving we're feeling happier, more joyful, and we're more likely to be more compassionate toward other people. Um, it's, it's, uh, it goes both ways. Having compassion for other people leads to us feeling better, um, feeling happier and more joyful, and feeling more joyful leads to feeling more compassion for other people and being kinder to other people. So next week I'm going to talk about the second part of this, how to spread your light into the world with compassion and with um, using your talents and your um, and your own passion, how to bring, make that something that, um, that has purpose and meaning that's bigger than yourself. Um, when we have a, a larger purpose and meaning for the things that we're doing, um, for our passion and our dreams, when they have a larger purpose, then they take on a much uh, bigger, they take on a much bigger uh, part of our life. They give us purpose in our life and they keep us going on those days. It keeps us going on those days where it may be a little harder to get up and do what we love to do. Then maybe that day we're not feeling it. But when we see 
that our talent and our passion, our gifts are actually helping other people, then that gives us a reason to get up and do it. So on that note, I'm going to ask Art Mendoza, who is the producer of this program, to join us and talk about the musical presentation. Right, we are back, and if you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell in your golden years, right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com, and we were just listening to our very own producer, Art Mendoza, singing his song, and he's now joining us on this side of the microphone. Hey, Art. Right, you don't even know the name of the song. I right. do know the name of the song. <laughs> I know so many. You're Tell such me a liar. the name of the song. 
No, you don't know the name of the song. It's just ridiculous. Okay, anyway, welcome to the last part of the show. Maybe it'll be the last time I get on this program. Uh, anyway, what you're listening to is some music that I'll be doing at uh, at my presentation of Backwards on Purpose, which will be on Saturday, the 21st of March. But before that, on the 20th, uh, before I go any further, I want everybody to know that we're going to go to a one-hour format after South by Southwest, and uh, instead of an hour and a half on the radio, we're going to do an hour so the doctor can get used to doing an hour format. And the uh, reason being is because we're going to record a video or videotape her doing her program live at uh, the backstage of El Mercado. And uh, it should be very interesting to see her go through this, and everything will be on film and will be kept. And uh, then we'll edit it and and have it for presentation for national or cable networks. And her guest for the uh, program will be Dr. Joseph Schaefer of Austin Kung Fu and, and uh, Tai Chi Studios here in Austin. And uh, he will be talking about uh, Tai Chi and also psychological things. And then the guest artist will be Tomas the Jasmine and Devo Ramirez, who is an incredible horn player and known all, all throughout the world. And he will be playing after that. After the program's over, Tomas will be coming on with his quartet. And after the quartet will be the Ichang Iching Gatos, which are from San Antonio and good friends of ours. And uh, then Blevins, an incredible group out of San Marcos which will be the only group that will be playing both nights, the 20th and 21st. And then uh, to close out the night will be another friend, which is coming in from New Mexico, will be Chris Toast and the Jerks. So that'll be for the 20th. And uh, a lot's happening, a lot's happening. I'll tell you more about what's happening on the 21st next week, because I think that'll be our last live That'll be our last live program for a while since we're getting ready for South by Southwest. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, you can't remember names, so that was international. Uh, yeah, come on, come on, please, please. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, take yeah, us out of so. here. Talk to you later. <laughs> right. All right. Bye. Thank you, Art. All right. So um, next week we will have a live show, and as Art was saying, we're going to take a break for a little while to get ready for South by Southwest. Tune in next week, Sunday, March 1st, and we'll, we'll be joined live by educator, coach, speaker, advocate for mental health awareness, and author Sheila Williams, Dr. Sheila Williams, and she will join us to talk about her new book, My Mother's Keeper, which is a memoir about her life, her own mother's struggle with mental illness and how the misdiagnoses and lack of treatment negatively impacted her family. And Dr. Williams has over 25 years of experience in mental health and a very personal insight on the importance of taking care of our our mental health, and her goal is to create awareness, hope, and healing. And we will have much more. Art will tell us what's happening the next night at South by Southwest when he joins us, and I'm going to talk about bringing your passion into the world, and more. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this show and read 
um, about previous programs, listen to previous programs, read my blog, go to my website, drmarakarpel.com, and you can also listen to this show in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash your golden ears. And you can also go to Apple Podcasts in a five minutes from now. And if you want the link specifically to my page, my channel on Apple Podcasts, go to my website, click on the link for this show, and it'll be there. You can just click on that. Or go to Apple Podcasts and do a search. And um, if you want to find out about what's coming up in the future, future programs, Anytime a podcast, a blog is posted, um, find out about South by Southwest, all of that, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Ears. This evening's program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by neurologist and memory specialist, Dr. Ronald DeBeer, and by Storyhouse. And special thanks to my guests, Dr. Howard Kovitz, and of course, thank you to Art, and thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week, and remember, has no age. Good night, everyone. Célébant en roulet, that is what they all say. Célébant en roulet, that is what they all say. Célébant en roulet, that is what they all say. Célébant en roulet. That is what they all say. Et toi? Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. Mm-hmm.